everyone, and welcome to the 200th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro. Hi, everybody. We're live on video. Yeah, it's been, it's been what, 100 what? episodes since we were last live on video? I don't know. Uh, it seems like that. Fun fact, I think this might be, like, maybe the fourth or fifth episode that I've done wearing pants. Because <laughs> I almost never wear pants for these. I'm wearing shorts, so yeah. I'm comfy. I don't know about you. I think, that I think so, like, for the very first episode I did, I didn't know if, like, uh, Lauren and Daryl and all them, if they got on camera or not when they actually recorded. So it was uh-huh. like, I wore, I wore pants for that. And then... Anytime we recorded like an E3 podcast, I was uh, actually <laughs> fully dressed. But well, every yeah, other episode, just, screw it, forget that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not going to be in like in the re- the media room with no clothes on. Yeah. So uh, uh, thanks, thanks uh, to Jarmer. So uh, just for anybody you know listening to this later on iTunes or whatever. Uh, yeah, so we are currently live streaming this. We don't usually live stream these, so I'm going to try my best to make this as pleasant of an experience for iTunes listeners as possible. So that, I guess that means we need to explain anything that we, uh, make reference to that's either in the chat or visual, but, uh, if, if there's anything weird that... (laughs) we talk about well if there's anything weird that we talk about that's pretty normal for us but if there's anything visual that we talk about that you can't see that we talk about apologies i'm gonna try my best all right so this is the 200th episode and uh churro i always ask you this but what's up how's it going good you know just i streamed earlier today i streamed horizon zero dawn for the first time very yeah. good game. If you guys like a like a mix of like Tomb Raider, a little bit of Assassin's Creed, and uh, one other game, but I can't remember it. But it's a good blend of all that. The graphics and visuals are really nice. So yeah, yeah I, I started playing it because I got hyped of the sequel announcement for PS5. So can't wait. Yeah, for that. yeah. I'm so I'm I'm really excited for that. I've never played Horizon, but. It's always been on my list. I, I hear so many good things about it. It's like, on sale right now yeah, for $15. I, really I actually just finished. So I just finished a really big game. And maybe some of the people uh, listening to this will be happy to hear. But I actually finished. No. Well, I, well I, fin- I, I finished Cineblade a long time ago. but Well, not, not, the, not the Switch version. I, ha- I actually haven't even touched the Switch version. I did buy it. Oh, It might be nearby somewhere but i did buy uh xenoblade on switch i bought the japanese copy of it um but uh i finished near i finished near automata you got you the got first all the time. endings i got all just... the endings well I, I i didn't get the all the joke endings i got all no. the the for real endings though and i gotta say that game is it, it, it's up there in terms of like my favorite games i don't it might be like top 10 somewhere in the top 10 of games and i gotta say like you know we're we're kingdom hearts fans so you know we're we're pretty biased when it comes to square enix stuff um yeah. i know for a lot of people so you know just talking general gaming discourse for a lot of people they may have felt less 
less serviced by Square Enix this generation. Uh, for the typical gaming audience, I would say games like Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts Three. In terms of reception, and sure, I'm sure you can agree with this. Like general gaming audience wise, reception for Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts Three, I would say more so Final Fantasy XV has been a bit mixed. Yes, definitely. Like Final Fantasy XV in the general gaming sphere, fairly mixed. Kingdom Hearts, if it's mixed, it's mostly because people don't know Kingdom Hearts and they're jumping into Kingdom Hearts 3. And that's... You fooled yourself. You fooled yourself. If you play, if you started with Kingdom Hearts 3, that's your fault. Well, that was because of one of the big, uh, you know, I don't want to say the word controversy, but it was one of the big debates when it came to some of the influencers who were saying, oh, we're going to... You know, I'm going to jump in into Kingdom Hearts 3 without playing the other game, so I'm going to yeah. give it a low score because I don't understand what the hell's going on. So yeah. it's like, you got one of those so, things happen. So I get that. So let's, you know, that that aside, you know, for the general gaming audience that isn't, like, a huge fan of this sort of stuff already, I can say that they may feel less well-serviced by Square Enix this generation. But I gotta say... That outside of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy, Square Enix, like I'm, I'm trying my best to see this from like a perspective of someone that's not a hundred percent all in, like I already am. I'm trying to see this from a more general gamer perspective. I feel like Nier Automata and Dragon Quest Eleven are some of the strongest games that square has ever put out it is up there with the greatest you know you always hear about like chrono trigger like if if you go on like general gaming youtube sites and you see like okay top 100 games of all times you know chrono trigger shows up uh vagrant story like these are games that are like you know one and done you can just get in get out and you're fine those kinds of games i feel like near automata and dragon quest 11 are up there in terms of like being that good and not just really good, but games that you can recommend to anybody. I, even as a Kingdom Hearts fan, and I'm sure for you, Churro, it's the same. Even as a Kingdom Hearts fan, as much as I love the series and I will always love the series and always follow the series, I struggle sometimes when it comes to the recommendation side. Like, to recommend Kingdom Hearts to somebody is not recommending one game. You are recommending a huge series. And as we mentioned in our remake uh, YouTube video about the idea of a Kingdom Hearts 1 remake, like get, jumping in on King, in Kingdom Hearts 1 in 2020, 2021, whenever, that's that's a pretty high ask out of somebody. You know, we're asking yeah. them potentially to get into a game that is really, really old at this point and not exactly a hundred percent polished. And they may get interested in kingdom hearts based on like a recent trailer, you know, of kingdom hearts three or Me- melody of memory. And they see this amazing, beautiful game. That's really polished. And then they also see, on the other hand, Kingdom Hearts 1. And Kingdom Hearts 1 still looks great. You know, stylized graphics. Stylized graphics hold up well. But 
gameplay wise, it's that's a different story. Yeah, gameplay wise, even uh, to be honest, animation to some extent. And I'm not talking yeah. like I'm not talking about the animated cutscenes you remember in your head in your mind's eye i'm talking about like the ones where it's those 2d faces and they're just like bah, 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 bah. like <laughs> the the mouth flap is like the you know it's the 2d mouth i'm sure you remember those um those cutscenes. no nobody likes those no nobody like thinks back and like oh i i love the animation of the kingdom hearts cutscenes, and that's the thing they like nobody likes those and you know those don't actually hold up as much so it's you know thinking about uh from a recommendation standpoint it's hard but when it comes to near automata and when it comes to dragon quest 11 i can without a doubt i can recommend those to anybody like they're they're just that good and just generally good and it's, and it's uh, kind of nice accessible. because like it's kind of nice to hear that because you know when you think of square annex a lot of people look to Final Fantasy or yeah. Kingdom Hearts. It's like, you know, what were, what were the two biggest games that people were looking forward to? Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy XV, Kingdom Hearts Three. But then, like, here you have, you know, them releasing Nier Automata and then yeah. Dragon Quest Eleven, And then, like, you know, they were kind of like afterthoughts. And then, you know, when they were announced and then once they were really, you know, released and yeah. the, recep- the reception was really, you know, you know, great. Now people, yep. you know can't get enough of these games and now they want yeah. more from these series which goes to show that Square Enix doesn't have to always rely on Final Fantasy or no. to get them out of the bind you and know, that's yeah, they're, it, they're in a long drought of unreleased games that's a good point that you bring it up because like I would say and I, I'm sure you can agree with me like I would say since the PlayStation 3 generation and onwards it definitely feels like Square Enix is a lot more reliant on their established series, namely Final Fantasy. Like it does, it feels very rare for that many games to come out that aren't, that don't come with a Final Fantasy title on it. And, you know, just this generation, we've got Octopath Traveler, you know, uh, there was Bravely Default. I don't know if you can count that as this generation or not, but Bravely Default, uh, Dragon Quest, I mean, Dragon Quest is a very well-established series in Japan, but you also have to remember uh, the prior Dragon Quest games, like, it has, it's been since the PlayStation 2, since they've had a proper Dragon Quest console game. Like, as famous and popular as Dragon Quest is, even in that sense, it was not able to get a full console game until when did Eleven release? It released originally in 2017. So... That's, you know, that's, that's, that's interesting. So yeah, it, it's been a while. And I got to say, like, if you feel in any way disserviced by uh, Final Fantasy 15 or Kingdom Hearts, like, well, I may really like them. I definitely understand, you know, looking at the general gaming audience, I can definitely understand if that isn't like, you know, if it didn't do it for you. But if that's the case, I, I 100% recommend uh, definitely look into Nier Automata. Look into Dragon Quest Eleven. If you feel like you know you used to like RPGs back in the day, like Dragon Quest Eleven is it is one of those games. It is it's the same kind of game that you loved back in the PlayStation generation. They made they made a new one of those, and it's awesome. Uh, I gotta say personally, super hyped. Even though I've already played it, 
super hyped that uh, they announced Dragon Quest XI S for all platforms. And it's going to be on Game Pass. So, I mean... <laughs> you and your Game to, Pass. Not to overhype it like we I always do, though. but Game Pass, man. Like, I, I highly recommend it. Like, <coughs> Game Pass is, gotta say one of the best one of the best deals in in gaming period and not a lot of people you know have, don't want to buy an xbox yeah That's not, not a lot of people have an xbox and totally get that like you know you look at that uh that xbox showcase and i'm like you're not really selling me on the future of gaming here but to me that's not what this is about with me and microsoft with me and microsoft i don't care about their future in gamer uh, their future in gaming i'm thinking more about their back catalog because in terms of back compat backwards compatibility they are second to none they have the best backwards compatibility and they have the best service in gaming i, I gotta say like n- nothing beats game pass in terms of that Games that's how i'm playing near automata what's up dude it's been a long time yeah what's up uh let's see it's, uh pokemon trainer says at some point can we hear you guys crazy as kingdom Hearts 3 even if it has been proved wrong since, or maybe the craziest <laughs> one you have heard. I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that one. Same uh, here. Maybe we could do it at, at the end of the show, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or at least during the question segment. So yeah, let's uh, let's get the show on the road, by the way. So anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Unit is part of the podcast series. Uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union uh, and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, Spotify, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. Give us a follow. Yeah, give us a follow. And we have a two-segment show today. We have a news segment, and we have a question segment. What? There's news? Wait, there's... Wait, what? Yes. What? There's one, there's one piece of news, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. Uh, did, I mean... What? Yes, there is news. We always say this. We always say this, like, what? There's news? Look, we always find something. It's... N- <laughs> You know, the, Brandon, the, Brandon the, is like the expert at finding something when there is nothing. I will find something. I'm not saying, guys, I'm not saying this is like the most groundbreaking piece of like news. Like earth shattering. But and like, we got something. We got one piece. One piece. We all found it in one piece. Exactly. So, so uh, in the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who are at Akira Namjin, Guide Seeker, Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Chris Morales, Miles Ribbons, Michael Graham, David Calro, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Chris Pope, who's at Dr. Pope 181, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre 23, and Churro, if you could take these last ones. We have Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod, Tori Patrick, Ray Estella, Fayez Bialy, Flip Serdnus, Lewis James, Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes 22, Zach Duranto, Yam Potato, exclamation point, Rachel Casterston at Uber Noon Ray, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster 73, and make an appearance in the chat too as well as Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. 
Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, and uh, be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And as we've said in the past couple of episodes, just fair warning. Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind spoilers are fair game. But not Dark Road. Wait, Dark Road? Yes? Uh, I mean, we we actually spoiled the last episode of Dark (laughs) The only episode of Dark Road last episode, so maybe... Look, we'll Maybe. warn you. We'll warn you okay. first. Okay, there we go. I think I think in the case of Kingdom Hearts Remind, spoilers being fair game is we don't have to say spoiler warning. We can just say the spoilers. Yes. Whereas like to with, with Dark Road, it, if we spoil it, we'll tell you first. Well, it has to be like mind-boggling, like something new that's never been brought into the series. And there's really not that much that we can... <laughs> so far. There's not much to say about Dark Road, so... Yeah. Anyway, so moving on to the news. So our news for this episode, we have one. And then, (laughs) you know, Pokemon Trainer J brings up a good question. Is this real news or is this Brandon news? This is real news. Real news. And this actually said Brandon was able to find the most niche questions to trick through myself. That's so true. That's so true. Um. I actually could, if you really wanted to, I could add. I could add Brandon news. We could extend this uh, thing out. We could. We could add more news topics if you'd like. Because <laughs> I, I have Brand- I have Brandon news too. If if you want, but this is uh, the news topic that I have today is real news. It's not big, but it's news. It's okay, something. so the only piece of news that I have is that Kingdom Hearts Dark Road main quests update is scheduled for late july now that means there's a very strong likelihood when this podcast releases releases as like a recorded version somewhere it is very likely that this is already out so then it's not news but at least while we're recording this this is news so hey i mean it's it's finally we're getting something after a, a month of uh, just up minor updates. Yeah, yeah, for real. So, so that's 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 the piece of news. Like, if you like Dark Road and you're interested to see the continuation, there will be a new Dark Road update before the end of the month. I mean, it, it left as a big cliffhanger, so we finally, yeah. hopefully, we finally get to see what that meant. Yeah. So glad to hear that. Um. So I I, I mean I'm interested to see like where they take the story next. I'm going to be honest, Ochero. I don't expect that this next story, whatever the story revelations are in that, I I can't imagine that they're going to be as big as what we got in the first episode. Like, I don't think they can keep that up, honestly. It it depends, because you got to remember, Union Cross dropped dropped a big bombshell recently. Yeah. I think earlier this, this year with, you know, Maleficent and the Ark. Yeah. So basically, yeah. you never know. Like, Nomara has a thing for surprising us. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see on that. So, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of news, that's the that's the main piece of news. If you want, like, a little bit of Brandon news, uh, let's see. Uh, well, Churro, you, you, you tweeted about this. Uh, the Kingdom Hearts... Uh, Square Enix North America is looking for a new senior marketing manager. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. For, so, for Kingdom Hearts specifically. Yes. I so. met. I have. I became friends with like the last three uh, senior uh, project uh, manager. Uh, yeah. Managers recently, and then they're all really talented, nice people. It's just sad to see that uh, them leave, but you know they got to move on to other things. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. But now it's like a new person. I gotta. You know, make friends with whoever fills that position. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people were telling me to fill that position. And I'm like, that's nice, but this is a senior position, not yeah. an entry level position. So it'll be a lot harder for me as someone who has no degree in anything. Yeah, so, it's um, that's the thing is when they say senior, like here's the thing, and this is going to be like you know, points of advice for people who are looking for a job. When you're looking for a job and the application says, okay, you need this much experience. I say personally, and this is just, this is just on me. If that's all there is as a barrier, still apply. Even if you don't have experience, still apply. The difference is when they specify that that position is a higher on a higher level if you have no experience and they're looking for something on a senior or management level that's a little different because when it comes to a senior level that means you're not just doing that job in reality that is like you're supposed to be a leader for the people that is that are already doing that job yeah, so you're, in you're, reality, you're there's, there's other people doing exactly. So your actual job of what you're doing is not necessarily just what is listed in the title. So you know, so this is marketing manager. Your your uh, responsibilities isn't just doing the mark market marketing managing. Your other aspect of that job is also leading the people that are doing that are also marketing managers setting an example for them and helping them become the best marketing manager that they can be so that's that's senior level responsibilities so i I say this personally as someone who is you know going to be looking for a job in the next year or so and in the particular field that I'm looking at, they have that same sort of divisions. So they have the junior level, they have the senior level, and then they have lead. And th- that's the division. So the higher you get up the ladder, the less of the actual job you're doing and the more uh, mentoring and the more managing and the more like morale you know, you're focusing more on morale and managerial stuff and that sort of stuff. It's less about the job that you're supposed to do and more about like actually managing a team at that point and setting an yeah. example. So there's a difference there. And yeah, I can totally understand why like that's not necessarily, you know, on your plate. And, uh, hey, yeah, wave. I, it, it, hey what's up? The sound of the sixth wave. Six, two, two, celebs. Two, two celebs. No, not a celeb. Nah. Not at all. No, nah, not, not, not a celeb either. <laughs> all right. So uh, so that's that's really like the news. So, so we covered uh, one brand new news and one real news. So I think that pretty much covers our uh, 
our news uh, for uh, this episode. So now moving on to the questions. So our Those first questions? question, our first question comes from Blue Assassin Y, and they ask. With COVID-19 really putting a damper on movie releases, do you think this could have an effect on Kingdom Hearts getting newer movie releases in a future title? They can't add in recent movies if they never got released right. Well, you got to remember that I remember a long time ago, Namara did say he gets exclusive screenings. That is true. To new Kingdom Hearts movies. He knows, he, he knows, he, he can see, you know, movies in advance of their release. But so I guess, can, yeah, logically speaking, you know. For, if, if, depends up to how completed they are. Yeah, yeah. I guess, logically speaking, if they don't release in time, then yeah, they can't come out. Yeah. But, I mean, if they release, then eventually, and he saw it earlier, then maybe it's fine. It is, yeah. But not only that, you're forgetting it doesn't have to be newer releases. Nomara's yeah. got a huge backlog of Disney, oh, older yeah. Disney films. You know, even once, like you said, Nomara did one. You know, that was straight to DVD. You know, the three the country of the Musketeers. Yep. You know, so it's not limited to that. Plus, it's also we never know if Nomara can actually dip his foot into TV shows as well. Yeah. So you know, there there's a lot for Nomara to work for, depending yeah. on what he has in store for the storyline. Ultimately, then, uh, like, off, there's there's uh, so much. There's so much out there that, you know, even, like, getting away from, like, newer movie releases, like you were saying, Chiro, like, there's, you know, there's Pixar movies. Like, other than Toy Story and Monsters, Inc., the full Pixar catalog has not been touched. Uh, there's potentially Marvel. Like, that's another possibility. There's... There's, you know, in theory, Star Wars. I guess it depends on uh, the EA deal uh, yep. ending. What is what does that end, by the way? That's pretty... Uh, it was my a 10-year deal. Is, yeah, 10-year deal, and it's. I think it's, it's almost a, up. Yeah, and it also depends. And it's also, to me, honestly, it's not really looking good for EA side. Yeah, because, it like, does their, their games that have been released and have not really been well-received. Mine is like no. Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah. And even then, Fallen Order, it came out very, uh, at least from what I've heard, great game that was rushed. So uh, it seems like they figured out what the game should be, and the game is awesome, but tech- there's a lot of technical issues, a lot of bugs. Um, uh, in particular, I saw some issues specifically of, like, if you run through the world too fast like the rest of the world doesn't stream in quickly enough. And literally like when we're talking pop in, we're talking of pop in of 3d models that are close to you. Like you'll be walking through one of those rock walls. And at the end of that rock wall, there's nothing there. All you see is the skybox, And then instantly it's just like, bam, all the 3d geometry just pops into place in front of you. So we're talking that level, that level of, uh, problems uh so so yeah ea hasn't had the greatest track record obviously i think two years ago with uh battlefront 2 that was pretty huge it led to like huge legislation on an international level talking about loot boxes in games yeah but no Um, that wasn't well received either no Uh, i i think though it's gotten a lot better like i've heard good things from people that like it at this point 
But I think it's too late though. Cause it, yeah, it, it very well could be, you know, I, I totally agree. So I'm interested to see Churro how things go with Marvel. Cause I think, I think Disney's going to be looking at this, you know, they're going to see, okay, let's see. How are the Marvel games coming out? How, are, how, how do those turn out? And then how do the EA star Wars things turn out? Cause they're very different, you know, you know, very different in terms of how they're handling it with Marvel. It's like, we will work with everybody. Marvel, Marvel maintains the rights to their games and they will license out on a game basis game by game basis whereas in the star wars deal everything is licensed to ea no one else can make star wars games other than ea i think that ea can probably get like per game license i don't think yeah the star wars will give ea a long contract again based on their yeah even if they do yeah i i think I, I agree with that. I definitely see them switching over to a more game by game basis, so that it allows other sort companies of to give it a, a hand. Because they're, they're probably they're probably going to go back to the drawing board. They're probably going to be like, yeah. okay, EA didn't really plan out as what we, exactly how we wanted to. So let's just you know not sign any exclusive deals. Let's give the licenses to these different companies and see what they can go for us. And then maybe if one you know is up to their liking, they could probably sign with them if they really want to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to say. I, I hope in the future that they adopt more of the uh, Marvel side of things. Like, at the very least, through this Marvel deal, like we've gotten, we've we have already gotten good games out of it. You know, we've gotten the uh, Spider Man twenty twenty eighteen. That huge one of the, one of the best games of this generation. That being said, Churro, can you think of any other games that were like really good out of this uh, Marvel deal so far? I'm struggling to be honest. The uh, only game I can think of, other you than have the the, uh, the Marvel Alliance for the Switch. Okay, I, I I've heard, heard I heard I heard good I've things heard about things. that. Yeah. yeah, there's uh Marvel versus Cap- Capcom Infinite, and I've heard very mixed things about that very mixed (laughs) mostly mixed in the negative direction yeah they said it wasn't like anything like the previous marvel versus capcom games it's that i heard there was a lot of issues with it yeah and all that and the switch to from 2d you know 2d animation to 3d as well yeah that's that's i mean so marvel I mean, I'm not a fighting game, like really huge on fighting games, but I'm pretty sure Marvel versus Capcom 3, it was 3D, but it was like cell shaded. Like it was really stylized and trying to look more 2D style. And that was still at a point where they had more of the Marvel license so they could have like pretty much anybody. Anybody yeah, they wanted. They, the, the, one of the disappointments was that the, the roster was really weak. Yeah, and it's really on the uh, the Marvel side of things that it got cut. Like, any, but basically anybody that's not in the MCU. So we're talking all the X-Men, bye. You know, Doctor Doom, Fantastic Four, bye. Like, yeah, all, yeah, like all, the, all the favorites that were in the previous games, like, you know, were not in there. Yeah. I find this, you know, just speaking of as an aside, I find it pretty interesting. Like the 
characters in the MCU that are popular now. Like, if you think back before the MCU, like, I don't, I can't even think of how popular, Mar- uh, like, Iron Man was back then. Iron Man was not popular at all. Like, it was pretty much, like, on the Marvel side of things, it was pretty much just X-Men was really popular and Spider-Man was, re- like, Spider-Man's always been popular. Yeah. But when I think about Marvel in the, in, you know, in the before times, we'll say, in the before the MCU, like, the only characters I really thought had any sort of popularity uh spider-man incredible hulk and x-men like maybe fantastic four like that's pre-mcu and now it's like obviously spider-man's still popular incredible hulk he's popular because he shows up in avengers but he hasn't had his own movie uh fantastic four has never had a good movie no (laughs) because they because they just keep pumping out uh reboots because they want to keep the license for it yeah. So long, Keyblade, as long as Key, Keyblade Spymaster has a really good uh a really good point. Uh we need to we need to now measure time in terms of MCU and BMCU as in before the Marvel MCU. That's a good Well, not one. only that, I mean they bring up a good point, you know, with uh, then you got Marvel Avengers from Square Enix and yeah. a lot of pre I'm interested to see how to that goes. Is not has been has been mixed unfortunately yeah. because you know, they everybody's so used to the Marvel Cinematic Universe for variations. You know, yeah. it's like so a lot of you know a lot of people just want to remember those type of heroes. Yeah. So yeah, I I I, to- I totally agree. Like at least for what I've heard so far, and yeah, I, I would say reaction to the Avengers game so far has been kind of on the mixed side, but. At the very least, you you gotta agree that it looks very high budget, whatever it is. Yeah, very very high budget. Like clearly, they spent a lot of time and a lot of money on whatever this is. So I'm eager to see where it goes. Um, my only personal concern about the Marvel Avengers game from Square is the insistence on going on the like the Destiny slash Anthem route. Like to me. That style of game, I guess people call it the like a schluter, even though it's not really a schluter. Like it, it's it's just a loot based, mission based game that just keeps going and going. This one might have more story involved in it, but it's this sort of like ongoing game as a service thing. Like to me, that sounds like a marketing buzzword that was very enticing to shareholders in about 2014 2015 that's my feeling on gas games as a service it's like this was something that was like the wet dream of some marketing guy back in 2015 that every single other project that has attempted this other than destiny but even destiny has had problems like Churro, this reminds me of back in like 2004, like post 2004, when every company wanted to make a an MMO. Like yes. wow, like every like so many pretenders to the throne trying to make the next big MMO, and then they come to realize, wait, making an an MMO is probably the hardest kind of game you could ever decide to make. Like that is like the like highest difficulty in terms of getting that right. And 
I would say in the Schluter space, it's pretty much just Destiny. And even then, like, Destiny's had problems. Since day one, it's had problems. Destiny 2 has had tons of problems too. Like, all you hear about is all the problems. There's a lot of people that love Destiny. So I would say Destiny is probably the most successful version of that thing. And even then, problems. So that's that's where I'm like, I've got... I've got a little bit of anxiety about the Marvel thing, personally. Even though Square Enix, very well-funded. They got the money. They got, like, IP-wise, they couldn't have cho- chosen a more uh, recognizable IP to make that sort of a game out of. So we'll we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, I mean, because when it first was revealed at last year's E3... yeah. And then people, because like they had no demos, it was just basically uh, developer interviews at E3, and they mm-hmm. had showing like special trailers or special gameplay video footage for those who got interviews. And yeah, a lot of people said it wasn't that good. And then like all the trailers that they've been releasing now, you know, they said it's approved, but not so much. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of worrisome for this title because you know, again, Square Enix, you know, is always announcing things so far in advance you know they had all this time you know and the way it looks you know it looks really strange to some people yeah. because it's not the mcu version and it's like well yeah. they're trying to make improve a point by saying you know we don't have to always create mcu variations of yeah. you know marvel games i mean you look at spider-man 2018 and that's proof that it doesn't need to be tom holland spider-man it doesn't need to be tied to a movie and it can still be good you know you also look at actually in the dc space uh at the batman games you know uh uh arkham knight yeah the the arkham series awesome not related to any movies and nobody is sad about that everybody's like super into that don't make it based on the movies but there's just something there's just something about this iteration that i don't know i guess it's rubbing people the wrong way a little bit like it's not quite hitting like what people are expecting out of avengers but i guess we'll have to uh we'll have to see how that goes one thing i must say though before we you know just to tie it in a little bit to kingdom hearts like making licensed titles is so hit and miss i just want to like really shout out the kingdom hearts team because that's all they do I mean, obviously, there's the original story as well, but like Kingdom Hearts does such an amazing job at the whole licensed concept. Like every single world, like there's like variation in quality, but like for the most part, in terms of like the level of fidelity, the level of production values, the level of entertainment values, it's really high on the Kingdom Hearts side of things. And they have shown so much versatility. Being able to tackle 2D animated films, now 3D animated films, live action films, you know, with uh, uh, with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates. Whatever Tron is, shout out to my Tron shirt, which is mirrored now, so it says Nort. <laughs> Hey, it's a it's a Easter egg. <laughs> it's relevant. It's relevant. Whatever Tron is, I don't know. Would you count Tron as a live action movie? I mean, yeah. it's got live action characters, but so much oh, of yeah. it is like special effects. Yeah, no, but, but it's still portrayed by live actors, though. Yeah, 
So Josh Gilbo, you bring up a good point. So all the character designs seem too bulky. Like even the women seem really beefy, uh, not not fat, just like muscular. Yeah, I would say everybody feels really sturdy in a kind of an like odd a, way. Feels like the Chris Redfield, if you remember Resident Evil <laughs> yeah. Five, how he they made Chris Redfield like all super buff and muscular, and then like in yeah. Resident Evil Seven, and now the Resident Evil Village trailer, you know, they kind of like lowered toned him down a bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Josh, you you bring up a really interesting point. I I think I have a really good character that brings that sort of ties in exactly what you're talking about, Josh, and it's um Captain America. Captain America in the Avengers game. Look at his like chest cavity in the Avengers game. It's like huge. It's like a barrel. And like Cap Cap is buff, but his under like it feels like his underlying skeletal structure is like bigger <laughs> like if anybody was like actually big boned avengers cap feels big boned to me like literally felt, big bone not fat he, like his bones are big it reminds me of like all might from my hero academia just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's all might Actually, I kind of like all uh, like All Might's design. Kind of feels more like what he should be because All Might is like he's more rounded, he's more shapely, he's buff. But he's like basically, he's basically like based off of like Western like superheroes, like Superman, pretty much. Yeah, like Captain America in Avengers: The Game really feels like a cylinder to me. So yeah, that's just uh, interesting. So yeah. uh Churro, if you could take this uh, n- this next question. All right, this is from Nomad96, and they write, What was about Kingdom Hearts that led you to become passionate about it, and not just casually interested? That's a really good question, because, like, obviously, you know, Churro, both you and I, we've been in the Kingdom Hearts community and working in the fan, spa- fan site space for a long time. You know, you way longer than me. Uh, for me, I started a little bit in 2005 working for kh2.co.uk and then, you know, off and on after that. And then uh, 100% from 2011 on Kingdom Hearts Union. And, you know, there there's a lot of game series we loved. And I think, I don't know if we talked about it while recording, but like, uh, you know, I, you know, recently have just played Nier Automata you know, really love Dragon Quest Eleven. Played that to death. Love the Persona series, Xenoblade, Ace Attorney. Like, there's so many games that I love, but you don't see me on a podcast making a podcast about them. Yeah. So, you know, for me personally, I I do remember a very specific instance, and this is <laughs> this might be disappointing because I think it's not like a real big revelation, but. I got to tell you, Turo, like, in all honesty, I remember the specific point that turned me from someone interested in Kingdom Hearts to someone who must know more about Kingdom Hearts and must be extremely involved in discovering more and getting in with the fan base. And for me personally, that point in time was, let's rewind back, this is 2003. 2003 in the summer and i and you got to remember what is popular 2003 in in the summer pirating music 
on apps like Kazaa and Napster and stuff like that. So for me, I was just downloading stuff on Kazaa and I found... Good old days. I found Juro. I was like, you know, I really like Kingdom Hearts. Let me search about Kingdom Hearts on this app, Kazaa. Maybe I can watch the opening and ending movie on my computer at any time. I don't have to beat the game anymore. Download the ending movie. It's like, huh. Secret ending. Now I know about the secret ending of Kingdom Hearts. Sure, sure. I know you. You know this where this is going. <laughs> I, I I've heard the story before. Yes. I, I know where this is going exactly. So I found the secret ending, regular secret ending, and I download it. I'm like, another side, another story. I know that, but what about this other thing? Another side, another story. Deep dive. What is this? Five megabytes. I'll bite. Let me download this. So I download the deep dive trailer off of Kazaa back in 2003, five megabyte version. And you got the lower quality version. I got the low quality version, but that's all it took. And I saw it. And even then, and I've mentioned this before, but even then I had in my head this sort of feeling of suspicion, not believing. Because sure, I'm sure you remember the old days of being on Kazaa and you're like, you'll download a video on there and it ends up being something completely different. Usually porn. Yes. Usually yes. porn. Yes. <laughs> it's you download something, like there's clickbait and you, you you download it and it's usually some like disgusting porn that's a joke that they upload it as a joke. So here's me downloading something, not knowing what it is and being pleasantly surprised that it was so much more than I could have ever imagined. You know, back in 2003, I was a huge fan of the matrix. The matrix trilogy hadn't even properly started. And here's this, like we had already, I'd already seen another side, another story, but seeing this and to the level that they're doubling down on the idea of making this more matrix like, I was just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like that to me made me so excited and I needed to know more. And by searching for more, that's where I found this guy over here on my right churro. And I found his website, which at the time was known as Ziddy.net. And Churro, you had the uh, foresight to establish some sort of community. And you had a chat box on your site. And I made so many friends just talking on that chat box. Everybody loved that chat box. That chat box was great. I never really posted on that chat box. I was like, you know, you what? were never I, on there. I, I just I left like, it there. I, yeah, I just put it up because I was on the forums. I was on Gatepack. Yeah. So basically, most of my time was there. But yeah, I was like, well, how can I get people to quicker talk about waiting instead of waiting for people? To yeah. Post? Chat box. There you go. So yeah, there's this little chat box on his website, and I made so many friends, and we would talk about stuff, and that's where I could start asking about the series because at that point. Like there was no Twitter, there was nothing, no, nothing like that. I didn't have any friends that knew about video games really. Like back that in those days, position. like it was not common to talk about video games. And at least for me personally, like there are people that like games, but there weren't people like into games. Like yeah, it's not it's not like today's world where like no, everybody no. is okay to be a video game 
you know, yeah. player or nerd or anime nerd. Back then, it was like, I don't want to say the word taboo, but it certainly felt like it was taboo because yeah. back then you had the clicks in high yeah. school, junior There's high. There clicks so. in high school. Yeah, exactly. There were clicks. So it, and not just clicks, but also I feel like pop culture was a lot more homogenous back then. I, I remember back to those days, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Churro, uh, I think on NBC they had this concept known as must-see TV. That's when there were things like Friends, Will and & Grace, and stuff like that. And people would basically, these are the water cooler shows. Everybody watches the same media, everybody sees the same stuff. So that tomorrow at work or at school around the water cooler, everybody can talk about the same stuff. Everybody watches sports. Everybody watches the Super Bowl. Everybody watches the MTV Music Awards. Everybody watches the real world. Everybody watches, you know, there's this these touchstones, pieces of media that everybody was into at that point in time. And there wasn't a lot of room for niches. There wasn't a lot of room for subculture in that time. Like it's. Like, really, it definitely feels like to me that as the Internet grew, in some ways, it has created more division in mainstream culture and created more opportunity for more special interests, more special interest groups. Like, at least at that time in that day, there was really no entertainment on in popular media that regularly talked about video games. And even to this day, and yeah, Josh Gilbo, you're, you're talking about uh, G4, and yeah, they're, they are making a comeback. Like, G4 existed, but you needed a very specific subscription to G4. Yeah. You know, yeah, at least for me, I didn't get G4 until I had DirecTV, and that was like way later, and there wasn't a lot of mainstream coverage of video games and for me to find your website churro and find other people that was my first time other people that knew about the stuff that i like you know about anime like i thought that was only something that i knew about like i watched anime and like uh, other than dragon ball z and pokemon no other kids liked anime and not only that even liking dragon ball z you were bullied like (laughs) You like that show where all the buff guys are constipated and screaming all the time? Lame. For me, it was Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. Digimon, and Sailor Moon. It was those ones. If you like Sailor Moon, it's like, oh, you know, you're a guy liking Sailor Moon. That's not that's yeah. not right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was such a weird time, and it was so refreshing to find other people that like to like the same stuff as you and then not only that like coming into that community it it was like people were so inviting like oh yeah you like kingdom hearts awesome yeah let me let me tell you about all the cool kingdom hearts sites that are out there ansom report game facts this is where you need to go if you want to keep up to date on the news that's like straight out of japan Go to these places. Like, obviously here, ziddy.net, you're good here. Churro posts all the time. Anson Report, that's a great forum. Like, they they hooked me up into the community and, like, where to, like, get the information at that time. Because now it's obvious. If you want to get into a new fandom, go on Twitter. See what the people are talking about there, and you'll find everybody that is important in that community. And you'll figure out how to get involved in that sort of space so to speak but back in the day not clear and yeah at least for me 
it started with deep dive, but then it continued with your side of things, uh, with, with ziddy.net. And then later, uh, me getting hooked in with, uh, khdo.co.uk, the owner of that website, Pete, and he got, he got me on staff there and yeah, that's, that. it all started with deep dive. Like is, I have a very consistent story that starts with deep dive and it's very on brand. So maybe if this is not like all that surprising to you, sorry, but that it is true for me. Chero, what was it for you? Cause you started earlier. You started with less information than I did. What was it about kingdom hearts for you that got you into it when there was so little? My thing was that I I was somebody who spent a lot of time in the library during lunch and like yeah. and homeroom reading fan fiction. Like I bar yeah. I was a huge fan fiction person and one of my one of the uh, during the time like you said with the anime stuff, yep. the biggest like two animes that I watched were Pokemon Digimon. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things that hooked me was crossovers. Yeah. You know, what if these two stories were to cross over into each other's worlds? And then, lo and behold, you know, this was before, like, you know, Kingdom Hearts even came out. Kingdom Hearts came out when I was a senior in high school, and I always started reading fan fiction when I was in, like, ninth and 10th grade. This was, like, 98, 99. And then then Kingdom Hearts came out. It was about a boy exploring... Disney worlds and being involved yep. in those storylines, which was something I've always written in my fan fiction that I never posted was what would you do if you were a being able to visit these worlds and interact with the characters that you enjoyed with. Yeah. And kingdom hearts truly brought that to life. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to hang out with, you know, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, yep. Jack Skellington, Peter Pan, you know, and it was big, it, big it, budget for the time. Yeah, it was very big budget. It was something unheard of. Yeah. Like like you never heard hear of Disney, you know, you know, doing something like this, especially for a company, a video game company. Like yeah. let, you know, you would think that because you would see um the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you saw Disney had a cameo, you know, in that movie. You saw Mickey Mouse yeah. and Bugs Bunny and when the same scene you know, and you know, and that was that blew my that movie blew my yeah. mind to see. I, I, I gotta like I gotta say that was probably at that time that was probably the biggest budget, the most like well realized crossover ever at that point mm-hmm. was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that's a movie you you didn't see that in the game space at all. And to me, that felt it was like moved my that was my Who Framed Roger Rabbit moment right there. Yeah, and then upon completing the game see Mickey Mouse appear at the very end to help you seal the door. And then, then you, you know, I was so excited to see all that, you know, the ending and then the secret ending. And then, then I was a huge lurker on game facts mm-hmm. where, you know, back then you had to rely on big, you know, you had to, you had to rely on forums yeah. And forums around that time weren't really, you know, active as much. You know, you get people here and there asking questions about how, oh, how to defeat this boss or yeah, where yeah. do I get these items or what I find, et cetera, et cetera. It's like I started, you know, because stop becoming a lurker, becoming like answering questions, mm-hmm. you know, helping people and getting the response that I got. And then, you know, it just evolved into one whole giant thing. It's like 
here I am being immersive with these people who have questions, just like Sora was arriving in these worlds to help the Disney characters with their problems. So it's kind of yep. like a mirrored, you know, like, kind of like a whole, you know, parallel worlds, you know, coming yeah. together. So mine was mainly based off of, you know, fan fiction crossovers and me myself being involved with that community sense of helping yeah. others like Sora did without any hesitation. Yeah. And at least to my understanding, I, I think you've mentioned this before, Churro, but you had you already owned your website prior to that. Like you already had yeah. that set it up. Was, and it was Ziddy later was like, that you converted it to a Kingdom Hearts thing. Because um Ziddy was I got I gained the name nickname Ziddy because of Zidane from Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah. And I was on a Pokemon message board and I made a lot of friends there. Yeah. And then it was only and then I created Ziddy as a site to as like a personal blog to me because around you know that same time I was going through a really rough patch of my life. Yeah. And um, so when. Kingdom Hearts Final Mix was releasing in Japan that December mm. of t- 2002. Again, the questions arose in mm. GameFAQs was what is Final Mix and why is it being yeah. released and why was it being re-released as a full price? Yeah. You know, and um, then I did, you know, I spent like a day like of my time searching internet about why it was and I came across yeah. a thread and and uh, Japanese about what it was coming, uh, what it was about. So one of my friends at the time online, I sent it to her, and she translated for me what it said. So yeah. here I had this wealth of information of what Final Mix was going to be about. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I need something that can point the message across Without yeah. having people answer, ask the same question over and over and over again. Yeah. Because because whenever I would answer those questions of what Final Mix was about on GameFAQs, I you still see a flood of questions coming in. Yeah. What exactly what Final Mix was? So I was like, you know what? I so I thought to myself, huh? Um, I was like, I have a site already. So I was like, you know what? I I took it down and then I just put up like one of the, like the most laziest layouts you can ever create yeah. <laughs> for a website and yeah. like smack dab in the middle was what is kingdom hearts final mix and why is it being re-released and it was there was the points you know a re-release yeah. of because little little people did people know that the the north american version of kingdom hearts got some bonuses that yeah. the original japanese version did not get exactly you know like like for example it did not get uh sephiroth uh, it did not get um kurtziza because that was yep. part of you know, a contest in North America where your name got to be named as a boss. Yeah. And um, since Japan never got that, they re-released that plus more extras on yep. their end. So when I found that revelation, a lot of people were like, well, that's not fair. I'm like, well, yeah. considering how Japan never got what we got. so Yeah, that's not fair it's, either. It's not fair <laughs> either. So, you know, so me funny thing is since i graduated in 2003 and from high school my mom was like well what do you want as your graduation gift because my older brother got a car yeah for his for his graduation gift so i was like i want a japanese playstation 2 in kingdom hearts final mix so i got that as a graduation gift so 
So I was so, but um, I was able to finally play Final Mix, you know, in June of 2003, even though I started reporting what it was. And like, and, and, and the, the nice, funny thing is that after I started telling people where to go to find that information, all of a sudden people are like, oh, where do I go for the newest, you know, information? City.net. Yeah. And pretty soon it just took off. Yeah. My site crashed within a day. Yeah. It was only up for a day that it crashed because yeah. everybody was trying to access the site. So they, and because I uh, came across a few people who had capture cards. Yeah. Back then. Capture cards back then were not cheap. It was either. really rare. So they were able to record the new scenes, you know, the new fights, and the newest secret ending. And I remember I had to download all those videos from one person who went by the name of Xenosurfia mm-hmm. on Kazaa. So we, we, yeah. you know, we did straight. I went to her profile and downloaded straight from her. I, I had a DSL. One yep. megabyte down at a time. So I was able to download those videos like much quicker than 56K, but it still took a few days. I was able to get a 72 megabyte version of Deep Dive and put it up on my site and that that completely killed it. Yep. And since then, I've been helping people. Yeah. Just like Sora would, with no hesitation. Yeah. There was so much, yeah, back then, like, the concept of Final Mix is so confusing, you know, to explain. It's like this re-release that has... that A re-release that's exclusive to Japan that has content from the English version of Kingdom Hearts and has English voices, which... <laughs> it's like, you're releasing a game in English in Japan only? What? And because they found out that a lot of the Japanese fans love the English voices. Yes. So I wanted, because I, I wanted they, they to actually a lot uh, of talk original, about that. Yeah, they used a lot of original Disney voice acting from the English yeah. version. And they so, love that. So I can say from experience, now that I uh, live here in Japan, is that, uh, yeah, and most movie shops, when you buy a movie, and actually even in movie theaters, when you go to watch a movie in the theaters, there's two options for pretty much every movie that comes out that's a Western movie. You can watch it dubbed, or you could watch it with subtitles. And that's regular in the movie theater. I actually watched... um, so this was before COVID got crazy, so I was fine. I watched in the movie theater, I want to say in like early January, I watched Knives Out. Um, actually, no, probably late January. That's I watched Ni- Knives Out uh, with uh, Chris Evans and uh, Ana de Armas and uh, Daniel Craig. Great movie, by the way. Loved it. Uh, watched that, and I watched it in English with subtitles in Japan. So that's... That's normal. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people will watch all the Disney movies in Japan in English with subtitles. So that's normal. So even from our, you know, from our perspective, that might might have been kind of weird. Like, why why are they releasing this game in English? But well, nowadays, actually, uh, well, nowadays movies in here in America are doing the same thing. They're releasing Japanese anime movies. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. Have the option of watching in English stuff for or anime fans. Watching Japanese, in, yeah, in subtitles. Yeah, for anime fans now, like, it, yeah, of course, makes total sense because, you know, for a lot of these, like, anime, like, Japanese voice original is best for a lot of, for a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, if, if, you know, 
back in the day that it wasn't as standardized. So yeah, it it, it must have been that that aspect alone was pretty weird. Other than that, there's you know like what there's new content and we don't get that and there's a new secret movie that hints at the possibility of a kingdom hearts 2 and we don't get that and you gotta remember it took um almost, it was like over, i think almost 11, nine months? 11 years oh 11 well, that took well it took 11 years from kingdom hearts final mix releasing in japan to the uh, North America getting it because they got it. We got the final mix yeah, version yeah. of Kingdom Hearts 1 in 2013 with one. Yeah, it was a long so time. It took, took 11 years for us to finally get that. Yeah, so yeah, it uh, it was definitely a, a, a weird release and a weird time. And yeah, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity. And yeah, it definitely seems like for both of us, yeah, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix was kind of a touch point because that that's a time where for fans that knew about Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, it was this like big injustice and everybody needed to like, look, we need to consume whatever is in this somehow. And we need we need a source for that. And yeah, you were definitely like one of the first, you know, that was actually a, a website as opposed to just peer to peer, which you never like like we said, you never know what you're going to get out of peer to peer. But if you have a dedicated website like what you had, you know, you could actually have some certainty like, OK, this is a Kingdom Hearts fan site. This is, you know, it's a pretty popular fan site. You got this chat box. You know, back in the day, we used to have the uh, the user user count, like how many people viewed the Web page. Yeah. Like, and and we had like a what was it? We had like little mini banners and like little, yeah, little yeah. links to like thumbnails to link to yep. other sites. And and then like it, it's actually pretty funny because it's like because like um, my website's spurned off to you know two of the biggest fan sites that were you know in that era which was the answer report which is you know a theory based website yep. for people creating theories for what the next kingdom hearts games would be about and yep. then kingdom hearts ultimania yep pete was actually a user of my forum yep which he enjoyed then he created his own yep uh, it, so it's really hard it's, it's still you know I still can't believe that, you know, Pete would sometimes remind me, you know, throughout the years I've known him to yeah. say, you know, because of you, I was able to get this far in my own life, you know, mm-hmm. with the things I've done, you know, because of this. Yep. So exactly. It's, it's really, it's, you know, that's why when we, you know, when people say, you know, why do they call you the Kingdom Hearts Grandpa's? Because I'm not the oldest, but yet I've been doing this a very long time. Yeah. I've seen the community grow from something small to big the way it is now mm-hmm. and it's just a tremendous honor to be here you know yeah. before all you guys today because without you there wouldn't be me sitting here with you you know yeah absolutely like i can definitely say that uh yeah at least for at least for me personally like uh yeah your website was like my first uh, introduction to the community. And then, yeah, uh, I was also, you know, Pete was also a, a part, in, you know, played a big part in that for me too, you know, with his website, uh, you know, i worked there, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, we'd interacted a, a bit, you know, during my time at uh, KH Ultimania. And then, you know, obviously this podcast has played a huge role in my life. You helped me get onto this podcast and it's because of this podcast that I'm here 
right now in a different country than I was born. You know, I'm here in Japan. You know, if if you're looking on stream, you can you can see this is not the kind of room you get in uh in the states. Uh, this, by yeah. the way, if, if you ever wanted to know, this is what is known as a washitsu. A washitsu is a room that has uh these uh like woven hay floor called tatami mats and uh yeah i'm i'm in my jap it literally means like japanese room i'm in my japanese room uh cuz this is the the best audio i can get in my apartment every other room has wood flooring so it's uh very echoey so yeah the reason i'm here is because of you know uh you know is because of a dream that i have in my heart that i'm still you know been pursuing for over five years now and still not there yet, but it is something that has been greatly enabled by this podcast and, uh, being on this podcast has also greatly enabled, um, you know, me being able to come here. Uh, when I did my application for the job that I'm on now teaching English in Japan, I, uh, I used this podcast as experience in my in my application and they actually said don't bring up anything related to video games or anime because these people these job interviewers that they are looking for that because they want to weed out anybody that's an otaku they don't want otaku that are like really crazy otaku going on this program because they just think you're going to be trapped in your apartment and not integrate with the community that you're going to be a part of but i made sure I brought this up and not only did I brought, did I bring this up? I actually like recently looked back at my, uh, my application. You had to write like a little essay. I specifically mentioned I am coming to this country. My goal for coming to this country is for this job is to use it to as an opportunity to live and work in Japan, learn Japanese. And ultimately my goal is to get out of this and work in the game development industry in Japan. I was very clear about that. And then, you know, I went into more depth explaining all the different things that I do for the podcast. You know, I talked about our experience going to E3, interviewing Tetsuya Nomura, the fact that, you know, we're working with like very high level people in, in the industry and working through translators. And that I, that, you know, that's, that's my international experience. I never did study abroad. I was never in any like, Japanese related clubs in 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 college or high school or anything like that but my big extracurricular project is this here and despite everybody's warnings to the contrary this podcast was able to get me where I am now and has been a really great opportunity to uh pursue my dreams. And, you know, I have you to thank for that. I have, you know, Lauren and Daryl who started this podcast, uh, Lauren McFadden, who was also, part, you know, started this podcast was the original host of this podcast. You know, there's so many people I can thank along the way. And yeah, it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, I can't, I literally can't imagine not only who I would be, but where I would be. Like I would physically be in a different place. Uh, I would physically be in a different country. I would physically be on the other side of a molten core of a planet. Like I'm literally on the other side of the planet. Now I, you know, I'm originally from Florida in the U S so like 
there's so much about everything in my life that would be different if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for this podcast and everybody in this community. So, yeah, so, I figured uh, that was a figure that would be a good question for episode 200. <laughs> and and it's it nice to it's nice to look back on where you started and where you are now. I mean, look at me. I mean, yeah, I may not have been, you know, on the same path as you. But yet, you know, I you could still call it a successful mm-hmm. path because yeah, absolutely, you know, never in my life I would ever say I got to meet Tetsuya Nomura. Like yeah. honestly, when I when I played Kingdom Hearts, I had no idea who Tetsuya Nomura was. Yeah, who, I had I had no knowledge of the gaming industry. I had no idea nothing about journalism. I had I knew nothing about this. You know, it took until Nomura went to. Um, San Diego Comic Con in 2014 for an mm-hmm. autograph signing with Hideo Kojima. So yeah. that was 12 years after I started that I finally met Tsuya Nomura. Yeah. Like, and, and this was just like an off, you know, chance. I literally had to beg one of my friends to give me a Comic Con match for the yeah. two days I was missing to get autographs <gasps> from him so I can get autographs on four days. I had to beg him. I told him, if you can let me borrow your badge for the autograph signing, I can get you in the E3 the following year. Yep. He said, deal. So I got him in the E3. He let me borrow the badge. I got to meet Nomura all the four days of Comic-Con. You know, and then, funny thing is, that same year, five months later in December, when 2.5 was releasing, I got to interview him the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, here I am sitting in this tiny little dressing room with Cecily from Kingdom Hearts Insider. And you have yep. translators and you have PR folk behind us. Yep. And here we are in this tiny cramped little room, you know, at the Walt Disney Animation Studios, it, you know, asking no more questions about 2.5. Like, yeah. If, if, I, if I were to go back and tell my 2003 self, my 2002, 2003 self, that this was going to happen, yeah, he would have looked at me and be like, you're crazy. Yeah. It, 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 and then, and it, it's just been wonderful. It's like I got to, you know, meet you, I could meet Pete, I could meet hundreds and thousands of people mm-hmm. at cons you know events you know not you know not, and not just you know fans but also insider people you know within square enix within other companies you know with other journalists you know i got to be involved in a world war i it was just a dream yeah you know, i had grow you know growing up like i never knew what i wanted to be like i wanted to be yeah. a, just like you brendan a game program growing up but then you know in high school you know if you you were called a nerd you were called you know a geek a dork yeah whatever you call it growing up and that really affected my perspective on that so then it led me down to a different path which was you know a you know marketer a you know journalist a podcaster a Mm -hmm. streamer a youtuber you know it, it it's just weird how things just end up you know, for me, you know, like very, I can tell people, Hey, I met Utada Hikaru yeah. by really a rare chance because yeah. I was standing on the correct side of the room for once. Yeah. And I got a picture with it. That's you know, cr- saying, you know it, it's, it's just really funny. Just how I always tell people, like, if you're going to do something, make sure you understand that it's not going to happen for you right away. You know, no, no, it doesn't no. matter if it's journaling, 
creating a website, streaming, podcasting. You know, I see a lot of people. I was interviewed by uh, um, someone who did Connected Hearts podcast, and he had a really good idea with that. Basically, it's just interviewing different people in the community, getting to know him. Yeah. And unfortunately, he hasn't done a you know a new one since mine, I believe, or I think mm. he's done one more. But like I always told him, you know, you need to continue doing this. This is a yeah. good thing you're doing. But I guess, you know, and for us to do this as long as we have, yeah. you know, from you from episode 28, for me from episode 20, mm-hmm. 10, going on 10 years doing this, you know, it's not an easy thing. No, but no, it's no. like eventually you'll get there if you just keep going for it. Yeah, for and sure. That's what I love telling people. You know, just to keep trying. It doesn't matter if you get one person listening or one person watching you. I still stream with to an audience of one or zero people at times. But sometimes, you know, hey, I'm enjoying myself and just don't think about it. Yeah, there's a there's a quote that, I you know, that definitely speaks to me and that I've been living by very hardcore specifically since 2015. Because there was a very... Uh, I mean, the the situation itself, and I, I think I brought it up on the podcast before, the situation itself, not huge, like it wasn't a huge interaction. And even then in the moment, and even now thinking back on it, like there wasn't much in that situation itself that that was that was really all that big but it definitely served and i still remember it served as a big turning point for me and served as a turning point in my thinking at that time was uh, a uh, uh an interaction that i had with tayasue at e3 2015 i talked to him and you know i let him know what my goals were and i asked him you know what would it take to join uh, the Kingdom Hearts team. If I wanted to come on there as an artist, like what, what would it take? And then the first thing he asked me was, uh, "How's your Japanese?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "What?" That was, was like uh, the, the that was the wall that he put that up was, in front of you. That was the wake up call. And like at my at that time, right? Like Cheryl, let's you know think back to 2015. At that time, let's you know think back to I want to say like November of the year before. That's when uh. Uh, Hajime Tabata for the Final Fantasy 15 team, he was going out on Twitter and all social media being like, all right, we're hiring for Final Fantasy 15. We're asking for everybody. I don't care what experience you have, no experience, whatever. If you want to come work in Japan, apply, apply, everybody apply. And I was just like, what? I like, it never occurred to me, like, you could work on Final Fantasy, what? <laughs> Like it never occurred to me. And it was at that point I was like, all right, I need to start like thinking about, you know, if I ever wanted to do something like that, I need to like think about what I would want to put in an application like that, work on my portfolio or something. And I worked on some, you know, stuff in advance and I brought it to E3 and I showed it to Yasu and he seemed to like it. And but he was he still was like, Well, how's your Japanese? And that had never occurred to me because when Tabata was talking about his situation and his team, he specifically said, We don't care if you know Japanese or not. And I had assumed the Kingdom Hearts team was the same. I had assumed like, oh yeah, Disney that's a you know, English speaking con- company from an English speaking country. It should be fine. There's, you know, Yasuo speaks English, right? So, like, I I would be fine, right? And then I, you know, experienced that. And, you know, it wasn't much, but 
him asking me that led me to really rethink like, okay, so what do I need to, you know, if, if that, if something like that was something I wanted to do, what is it that I would need to do to achieve that as a goal for myself? And then I started thinking and, you know, looking online and I found a really great quote and it was talking about how to be lucky or more specifically how to be successful. And it's a very simple formula. It's a two, there's two variables in the formula. That's it. And you ask anybody, this is not a uh, get rich quick scheme. This is, this is something you explain it to anybody and they agree. This is, this is how success works. There's two factors. It is something plus something. And it is your opportunity plus your preparation. That's it. So you can be, so opportunity, that's being in the right place at the right time. That's, you know, knowing the right people, you know, meet, talking to somebody that, you know, could offer you a better life or offer you whatever you're looking for. And then there's your preparation. That's the hard work that you do to make yourself a valuable person, a valuable thing, like the thing that will make you capable of achieving great things. So uh, opportunity is something that I realized at that point is something that just comes like, you know, you don't have to try too hard to get those opportunities. The much harder aspect of that is the preparation it is the training. It is getting your skills up to the level that they need to be. And that was something that I realized was that in 2015, I was at the right place at the right time, so to speak, but I was not prepared. I had nothing. I didn't have Japanese. My art was okay, but it was not enough to to make anything of that experience. And it was that turning point that I was like, wow. So if I wanted to pursue something like that, for myself, what do I need? And it was only later that uh, a mutual friend of ours on Twitter, Squarenix Gal, Olivia, she posted on Twitter. She posted on Twitter about the JET program, which is Japanese exchange and teaching program where you can come to Japan, teach English, uh, learn Japanese. It's a great in into, into the country. And on top of that, she said, and this was the turning point, she said, People that work in the JET program, on your way out, there is an event where you can interview with Square Enix because they hire people out of the JET program. I was like, what? Hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. I had heard about the JET program prior to that because, you know, I watch people on YouTube that live in Japan. She just came back from the Japan, the JET program, too. And I was just like, "Mm, I'm not really all that interested in, in teaching Japanese or teaching English. But then when she put it in that context, it was like, boom. Okay, that is so far, no one has ever pointed out any possible like route for you know something that I want to do. No one has ever pointed out anything. Here's an opportunity. Let me go hardcore on that. And I went nonstop. It was agonizing months. You know, applying to the JET program, if you look it up, very difficult, agonizing getting onto this program. But I went through it and I came here and I've been on this program for 
uh, four years now. Uh, next year will be my fifth year and final year. I can only be on this program for five years total. Uh, that's the other thing. So <laughs> there's a limit to this. But uh, yeah, if it wasn't for that experience with Tayasui, that would never have happened. And I definitely have to say, just to reiterate, like that I really do constantly think about that formula of success like that is something that i highly uh use as a measuring stick for how i'm doing in my life and how i'm doing trying to achieve my goals is our opportunities are one thing and they come and thanks to this podcast you know it, it is possible for me to get opportunities uh, to talk to really high level people in the places that I want to work. But if I'm not prepared, just talking to them means nothing. The opportunity alone means nothing. If you don't have the preparation, if you're not ready, if you don't have, uh, if you are not what they need, then what's the point? So that has been a very important thing for me is like, even though I'm teaching English, that's not all I'm doing. Like I'm in terms of preparation, like I'm, I'm basically working two full-time jobs. Uh, not, not really. I only work one full-time job, but the preparation side of things, I spend more time preparing for what my future is. And I've been doing this for, you know, four years now, hardcore studying Japanese, studying art, studying, uh, you know, the technical side of, uh, game development stuff. I've been working real hard on this and it's get like, it's, it's, it is exciting for me now. I, I, I will say like, I'm getting to a point where I can finally start talking and showing some of the stuff that I've been working on and it's getting close. I've been very silent. You know, if you look at my Twitter, I don't talk on Twitter very much. I haven't for the past four years and I'm adopting this concept known as uh shut the up. I don't know if you've ever seen like people on Twitter that like announce projects way too early. <laughs> like, yes. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm making a new kingdom hearts. Uh, uh, I'm making a kingdom hearts, uh, fan game. I'm making a remake of kingdom hearts, whatever. And they announce it like really early. And then they keep, they'll post like updates and then it never comes out. Eventually the project descends. Like how many like fan projects do you know? Like that? Like there's that, uh, that Chrono Trigger one where it was like the remake of Chrono Trigger in 3d that was like announced back in like 2004. That was this fan that. game that got shut down. It's cause they talk too early. Yeah. Just, so I mean, then if you look at games that there, there's a couple of projects that had like releases, like the surprise releases and they did fairly well before they got shut down. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm not calling out anybody, by the way. I'm calling out me. I'm calling out me. And that's why I've been pretty quiet on on social media apart from this podcast. But um, and I will say that, yeah, very shortly, um, I'll start showing what I've been working on. Uh, and the only reason I can say that with any level of confidence is because I've worked so hard and most of the stuff I've been working on is like – it's all it's already presentable. I could have shown some of this stuff back in like November last year and chose not to. So, um yeah, uh, getting close. Um I've only got one more year on my current contract that I can even do this. So, 
yeah, I'll be looking for work and I'll be strutting my stuff. And I've got a lot of stuff. So <laughs> excited to do that. Um, but yeah, anyways, let's move to the last question, Churro. This one comes from right. William Santos and they've got a they've got a really good one. I hear a lot of people say they want a Final Fantasy world in Kingdom Hearts. But when I think about it, I can't think of one that would actually fit well in the format of Kingdom Hearts. Disney worlds don't have a lot of variety in them, so it's easy to fit them in as one location out of many Disney worlds that you visit. But I can't imagine, you know, going to a Final Fantasy VII world, for example, where literally the whole planet is well-defined in the main game. Am I the only one who thinks this is weird? No, because I'm in that same type of boat where how that's it's always been a long debate of whether or not a Final Fantasy world would belong in Kingdom Hearts, and more often than not, Final Fantasy has always been to me like, and even Namara's always stated this, but it's always stated that Final Fantasy has always been a cameo. It was only there to help sell the first Kingdom Hearts game because they were unsure that yeah. it, you know a Disney game would sell on its own like that. Because, you know, they were coming off the release of Final Fantasy X. So, you know, Square Enix needed, you know, some some firepower to help sell Kingdom Hearts. And it worked. But now this whole thing where that's why um, Nomura has, uh, you know, put it in storyline that some of the Final Fantasy characters come from Radiant Garden and not their own world. And that's because I think, I mean... One the difference between like a Disney you know world and a, and a game is that they can condense the story by mm-hmm. a lot and still make sense. Yeah. Whereas you know Final Fantasy world, you would have to find a way to condense that whole game into you know a short story. You know, so it's like how you know would how would you explain like Cloud going back to who's from you know like or Squall and you know, Aerith and Yuffie, who from, who's from Radiant Garden, how would you explain that this is not their world, but then they end up back in their own world, which is the Final Fantasy world? How would you be able to sp- explain that to the audience who just was explained that they they come from Radiant Garden? It's a whole lot of retcon that they would have to do mm. to explain that. You know, they've already established, you know, these characters coming from, you know, Radiant Garden or other worlds. So, you know, it's to me, it's just that I think that Final Fantasy will should not be in Kingdom Hearts unless Nomura is really that desperate to have it in there. Yeah, I agree. I I, I couldn't see it working really as a, a, a world. The, the only thing I could think of that could kind of work, but it would need some good story context and um, would be, let's say there's a boss fight and you have an arena that just that arena alone, that's all you get almost like, uh, you know, like the city of final fantasy, like there's an arena it's based on that particular world of kingdom hearts. You fight a boss there and that's it. You leave like not, not a world, but sort of like the world is a cameo. It's just, just like, like, uh, just like with lingering will where you just show up, you show, you show up in keyblade graveyard, you fight them and you leave and that's it. 
you know, something like that. I could see Midgar working for that. That's a very iconic location. Uh, By that I could see, but as a full 100% world that you actually visit via a ship, no. I mean, Midgar is the only one that I think could work as a world in and of itself because it's like it's got its own self-contained journey but like could you imagine any world like like in final fantasy 10 if you had to pick one location what would it even be like luca for the blitzball tournament is that it is that the one you pick do you go with bavel do you go with part of the the xanarkin blitzball yeah blitzball yeah luca like that's for me that's what it would be for 10 like for Final Fantasy VIII, maybe like uh, there's Balam like Garden. Balam Garden. There's that place where they go Dalet Dalet, where where they do that mission there. Like Dalet, there's a mission there, and like I could see them maybe swinging. Like okay, Sora jo- joins them at Balam Garden. They get on the truck and they go to and they get on the boat to go to Dalet. Like I could see that whole sequence being in Kingdom Hearts, and that's it. But it just seems like, but would, it, would but the whole sequence. What's the point? Thing is, that would Disney allow that though? I I doubt it. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think so. I'm I'm just like I'm trying to do the mental gymnastics to figure like okay, what place would work? And then I then yeah, like you said, after that, like would Disney approve of this? Because it's still, it's would it still, be worth Kingdom it? Kingdom Hearts is still Disney's game, so they still it's still have yes, to say it's it. still Disney's game. You got to remember this. It's a Disney game. Still, like, I'm trying to think of other games. Honestly, Churro, though, one world that that could work, even though I'm not the hugest fan of this game, Final Fantasy 13. I actually think Final Fantasy 13, the fact that it's so linear, it, it could actually work. It could. I could see that. 13 would I mean, work. Original 13, yeah, I mean, I'm talking. I mean, you've already got a sense of a, of a you know, factual city inside of Kingdom Hearts with, you know, Japan, Shibuya. Yeah. You know, and two Kingdom Hearts 3 already. We just don't yeah. know how exactly it's going to fit in all this. Yeah. You know, we maybe that could change, you know, the opinion of what Final Fantasy Worlds... I mean, I'm only speaking on my own personal opinion. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Namara could always easily change that. But, like, you know... Like, honestly, I still don't see the appeal of a Final Fantasy world because that's not what I, you know, fell in love with Kingdom Hearts. If I yeah. want to be in a Final Fantasy world, I would pick up that Final Fantasy title. Yeah, exactly. Although, you bringing up Shibuya and just the whole Japan, Shinjuku, you know, Shibuya, Shinjuku area, I mean, technically speaking, it's a world based on versus 13 which was a final fantasy game so which is what we're probably hinting at yeah so kinda like if you really want a final fantasy world kinda that's kinda what it is (laughs) yeah so hard to say but yeah i don't yeah just the way it's presented just the way that kingdom hearts works i just don't see a final fantasy world really working that way at all yeah brandon said versus 13 drink yeah it's a drinking game i said deep dive already too that's that's got to be worth a couple of shots the right pro- the prophecy is fulfilled the prophecy is fulfilled he said he said both of the words that he always talks about uh, i didn't talk about unreal engine 4 yet 
Or five. <laughs> or five. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited for Unreal 5, by the way. Uh, let, okay, let's have a quick technical corner because I do want to talk about something with uh, with okay, you. Okay, I'm just gonna be. 5. I'm, ju- I'm just gonna be right here while you explain it. I just wanted I... to say. So <laughs> recently, there was a uh, tech showcase for for uh, for Unreal Engine f- five, and they were talking about it, and they confirmed something. <laughs> taking a big drink. They confirmed something that I assumed about Unreal but actually bodes really well for both Kingdom Hearts, whatever the future game is, Kingdom Hearts 4, let's say, bodes well for Kingdom Hearts 4, and it bodes well for Final Fantasy VII Remake, the next one. And that is that as far as uh, Epic is talking, when they're talking developer to developer and not, not talking to the public, when we're talking developer to developer, they're saying you can basically just treat Unreal Engine 5, it's just another upgrade for unreal engine 4 we're just calling it unreal engine 5 it's not a different engine it's literally the same engine we're just calling it unreal engine 5 it's got new features that are really important and have you know that's going to add new functionality to the engine but you can port your your project over exactly the same the engine is the it's the same engine we just call it Unreal Engine 5 as a branding thing. And the main difference is that Unreal Engine 5 has two new huge updates, which are uh, Nanite and Lumen, which we've talked on prior podcasts, so I won't go crazy into them. But if you don't use, if you ch- if you elect not to use Nanite or Lumen, it's the same as Unreal Engine 4. It's got all the same features Everything in Unreal Engine 4 is in Unreal Engine 5. It's all there. It's wow. That was not the case, by the way, with Unreal Engine 3 to Unreal Engine 4. Some things carried over, but you could not port your project over like that. Whereas, yeah, you could think of it like for, yeah, Unreal Engine 4.8. Like, it's literally just like another point release for Unreal. They're just calling it 5 at this point to sort of indicate that this is, uh, this is targeting next gen. Like, it's got next-gen features in mind. Now, to be clear, both Nanite and Lumen, these are features that can run on current gen. They can run on current gen. They might not run well, but they can run. That's the that's the thing. Is like specifically Lumen. They they actually said, uh, yeah, Lumen. It it works and it's fast, but the, Lumen, the lighting thing, that's that's gonna be a, a harder push on like the gpu and the cpu nanite is fast is what they're saying nanite super fast pretty much anything should be able to use nanite lumen that's going to be game by game basis currently it's looking like a 30 fps feature for next gen consoles ps5 xbox uh, but they're looking, they're working really hard now, and they said it's it's already way better. The demo that we saw is old, is what they said. Demo that you saw is old. It's already better. It's already faster. We're targeting that by release, which, to remind you, release is going to be late next year. For actual release, uh, UE5, they're hoping Lumen will also be a 60 FPS feature for, you know, PS5, maybe Series X. But in terms of like uh, actual performance now, it's on the lower end. But 
So for anybody worried, you know, we we, we kind of mentioned it before, like Epic has actually like doubled down and being like, yeah, as far as you're concerned, just think of this as Unreal Engine 4 and it's just a new version. Port your project over. It's that simple. It'll work the same. I mean, it, it's got the same issues. Won't, development won't take as long and because like basically it's the like same. Said, port everything over, it's the same thing. So development yep. on Kingdom Hearts... Four or seven remake part two is not going to take as long. No, yeah, it would be like them staying on. Let's say hypothetically that they just decide let's stay on Unreal Engine four. Them staying on Unreal Engine four versus upgrading to Unreal Engine five, it would not really affect anything. And even if they went to Unreal Engine five and then didn't add in any Unreal Engine five features, it would be exactly the same as if they just stayed at whatever unreal engine 4 version they're at it's the same because it's it's the same engine it's got the same features it's just a it, it's more a matter of okay once they're in unreal engine 5 they can explore okay what's nanite like what's lumen like what's the performance characteristics is this worth using uh in the case of nanite i think nanite is pretty universally worth them using it because that basically what nanite's going to enable them to do is make their uh background 3d models anything that's in the environment they can bump the quality up on that a lot in terms of like uh geometry like it'll be a lot smoother but in terms of lumen that's going to be more like they're they're going to need to decide if that's worth using or not if if the performance hit is worth it um if they do use Lumen, that's going to mean that their their lighting can be a lot more dynamic. And, you know, you can look at the, the Unreal Engine 5 demo yourself at the beginning part where they're moving the light. There's like light coming down in that cave shaft and they're like moving it up and down. And you can see the way light dynamically moves in that situation. Um, they could decide to do that or not. But uh, either way, like, so what, what would that give them? You know, number one. It would give them time of day. It would give them the ability to change the time of day in the world. That's the number one thing it would give them. It would also give them a lot more detailed, a lot more realistic lighting that's dynamic. But if they decide not to use Lumen, they could still just do the lighting like they're doing it now. It'll it'll look better because they can run it on you know next-gen hardware, but they can just use the regular lighting and not worry about Lumen at all and just use Nanite to improve their background quality. That's that's a completely viable, feasible way of using the, the hardware, and it could run well. So we'll have to see. Um, you know, they, they've got plenty of time. They've got, uh, you know, projects coming out now that are still be Unreal Engine 4, but uh, that will be releasing shortly Melody of Memory. So they've got time till that releases so we'll have to see yeah namora eyeing up lumen for the new kingdom shader yeah actually kingdom shader is the only part of the this whole equation that's you know a little bit up in the air depending on how much they've customized their version of unreal engine 4 that'll determine how easy it is for them to upgrade to unreal engine 5 but if they didn't customize it that much, then it's easy, That is is basically what they're saying. The more you customize Unreal Engine, the less they can guarantee in terms of ease of uh, migrating over. I would say for Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think they're pretty much using basic UE4 as it is. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, my gut feeling is they haven't customized much. 
Like everything that they're yeah. doing is pretty standard UE4. Even what they call Kingdom Shader, like you can do all of that in regular Unreal Engine 4 materials. Like it's pretty standard. So I I don't think it's all that uh, complicated. They can. I don't anticipate very complex uh, a very complex porting process. So we'll have to see. But that's just my guess. All right. So that's. That's pretty much our episode for today. Our music for this episode is as follows. We have a cover uh, called Kingdom Hearts Dive into Heart slash Hikari Music Hikari Music Remake. Uh, this is from Enrico Dayana. They're on YouTube. They have a ton of Kingdom Hearts uh, covers and remixes. So definitely check them out. They're so great. Um And this is such an amazing cover, so I hope you enjoy it. And the next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 11th of August. That'll be our 200th and first. I almost said 201. 201. It'll be episode 201. And as always, if you guys like the show, please subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. Wait, that's one. One bigger. One. 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 Not two. Not two. One. (laughs) And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Kingdom Hearts Union. And, as always, please support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion and send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, guys. It is that time. It is yes, goodbye time. Uh, Churro. B- bye, guys, in the chat. Thank you, Wave. Thank you, Games and Movies. Enter. Pokemon Trainer J, yes. Epsilon, everybody, Taku, appreciate it. See, we got uh, Bio Roxas, Dulzler, Donut Donut, Goofy Twenty Twenty, Ho Hume, Josh, Okami, Phantom Lion. You're all the best, Jay Drummer. You guys are all the best. Thank Thanks. you to all the Patreon subscribers too, as well. For we sure. Appreciate it. Oh, Mandersnatch, showing up Hello. at the end with the clutch. What up? Hey, thank you so much for joining, Mander. Appreciate that. So, uh, long episode. Hey, it's worth the long episode. It's episode it's 200. A- it's going to be long. Yeah, it's a celebration. Exactly. And my room's getting darker because the sun's going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my room lighting has not changed because I just have this. I, I literally have my iPhone pointed at my face and it is so bright. So <laughs> if you see me wincing at all in this video, it's because I keep seeing my iPhone. I'll just turn them over there. There we go. Now oh. you can see me. <laughs> and at last now. I see the light. The light. Alright, guys. Cheryl, <laughs> say goodbyes. But, bye, guys. Thank you for joining us for 200. And here's some more 200 episodes, I guess. Alrighty. If it's possible. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.